patients, they do, they want to be your patient for life, right? You know, it's hard for them to change. So make that connection early on and then makes your life a whole lot easier. And you don't have to do that every time. It's just, you know, from the start and it's, it's a relationship, make sure it's a good fit. This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to another episode of Growth in Dentistry. I'm Katie Polson, and you are here listening to one of our special DSO episodes. Uh, we're so grateful to be able to have started these. They've, so far, they've been fantastic. Um, a lot of great insight if you are in a DSO or wanting to um, emerge into one with multiple locations, or if you don't have, um, if, if that's not something that's your jam either, there's a lot of great information Um that's being provided from our great guests. And, and today is no exception. So we're so excited to have our guest on and I'll let uh, Jessica introduce her in just a minute. But uh, before we get started, I wanted to welcome those that are first time listeners. This is uh, again, like I said, this is the DSO episode. However, we have a lot, a lot of other episodes to choose from. We've got a uh, growth, um, just our regular growth series that has 30 minutes of actionable advice from key opinion leaders and people in the industry in, uh, about certain topics. We choose a topic for the month and we tackle a problem that needs to be solved. And, and there's some really great information in those. And then we also have deep dive episodes that I would encourage you to check out that are about an hour of, uh, from our, from our practices who are top 10%, uh, in our, in their metrics and data. And we go deep into how they achieve that and what it looks like. So those are some really interesting episodes too. So again, if this is your first time listening, we'd encourage you to go check those out. Uh, If this is not, and you're a recurrent listener, thank you so much. Thank you to the three people. We appreciate it. (laughs) Just kidding. Although really. Um, And let's see, we've got, uh, if you, if Facebook is your jam, uh, please find us there. We're uh, dental intelligence community there. It's a great place for dental data nerds to come and hang out with each other. And I don't know, ask weird questions. I, I don't know. It's just, it's a fun place to be. Um, and if you're not a current customer of dental intelligence and you want to be one, we have a great giveaway to those that listen to the show. You can go to get.dentalintel.com forward slash podcast, and you'll get $50 when you complete a demo. And you, uh, that link will also be in our show notes for those of you that want to check that out. And without further ado, Jessica, I've got my trusty co-host on these episodes. Jessica, thank you so much for joining me again today. Thanks, Katie. I'm glad to be here. And um, I am happy to introduce one of my dear friends, Dr. Megan Grimscheid. Um, She is out of Tennessee and is still practicing four days a week. Um, but she's about to welcome in a baby coming in 2023. I think New Year's Day is the hopeful um, delivery due date on that. But um, I want to introduce her and have her kind of tell us a little bit about herself and her practice. Hi, I'm Megan Grimscheid. I'm glad to be on today. Glad Jessica asked me um, and just excited for this opportunity to share some insight and experience that I have over the last few years of treating patients. Um, my practice is in Franklin, Tennessee. Um, it's a very different practice, um, from most offices that you'll find. Um, it's a huge 5,000 square foot log cabin, um, with woods in the back and streams and a barn and, um, wildlife. And it's just absolutely 
beautiful. Um, it was designed that way for patients to feel comfortable, um, to have a retreat they could come to that doesn't feel like a dental office. So naturally we kind of attract patients that need that environment. So most of them have had dental trauma in the past or just have generalized anxiety, um, PTSD, just lots of different, um, things that are going on in their life that have brought them to us. And so um, it's a very unique practice and we see a unique patient base. Um, we do have a lot of patients that just love to come there because it's a beautiful office. So it's not saying that you, you know, you have to not like the dentist to go there, but um, so we've definitely branched out, but it's a one of a kind unique office that uh, that's kind of nestled away off the highway in Franklin, Tennessee. Oh, that sounds beautiful. I want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nice. Really yeah. That's awesome. Um, I didn't know that your baby was due on new year's day. My gosh. I hope you make the news that you have the first baby of the year. That's what I keep telling all my patients. I'm like, hopefully you don't see me on the news, <laughs> but look for me. So we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, new year's day due date. So you never know. It's yeah, awesome. I'm so happy for you guys. And this is your first boy. Um, you have a girl, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so she'll be three December 17th. So uh, another little holiday baby. That's so exciting. I bet you and Derek are just really just pumped about having another one and mm -hmm. kind of completing your family. Very blessed um, for sure. So um, we're really, really excited. Well, you kind of got into a little bit about um, your practice, and I know we kind of already touched a little bit about your patient base, but um, do you want to go and elaborate a little bit more into that? Because I think that plays a big piece in, you know, case acceptance in, in terms of, you know, who you're talking to and how do you communicate with them? Yeah, so I did touch on it a little bit. Um, so... I had been working in the area for a few years before I made it to this practice. Didn't quite know what I was getting into, but really did find um, my calling or my place there as a provider. Um, the patients there are just looking for something different than what they've had before. A lot of times it's tr childhood trauma. Um, so I have patients that drive over state lines to come there because they're in rural areas and they don't have access to comfortable care. And it's not the providers they have close to them aren't good providers. It's just your typical dentistry, you know, more of a fast clinic base, wait for hours in the waiting room type of, you know, dentistry. And so they're looking for something different. So they search and they Google and they find us and, uh, you know, they drive to come there. Um, so we try to offer care for them that, um, provides what they need. So those patients, um, we do a lot of emotional exams in our practice. So we obviously do the typical dental exam, comprehensive exam, but a lot of emotional exams. So that kind of starts with the first phone call um, so that we can better gear and treat the patient when they come in. And so I mean by that is more just the route that they need. And so we try to give them an experience different from what they've had or what they're looking for. So we ask target questions to kind of help guide that for us. Um, but most of the patients I see, you know, it is extreme dental fear or phobia. It not always is that it could just, like I mentioned earlier, just anxiety or they've been abused. Um, they have triggers, you know, I see some special needs patients. Um, so just kind of all over the place, but just patients that need specific specialized care. Um, and 
that's what the building was built for. Um, how I tell patients that's why it's here. So it has these high ceilings and these doors that we can open in nature outside, all the elements inside are, you know, wood and stone that bring that calming effect. We have fireplaces. So everything is designed so they can feel comfortable and safe. Um, so because of that, you know, we really do have an outreach for patients that, um, that have dental anxiety or dental fear. And so, um, it's definitely a unique place to be. So it sounds like not only is it, you know, like what you're marketing, but also just the environment you're creating for your patients that kind of have a piece into how you're able to get people to accept treatment based on communication and what they're walking into and how they feel um, walking into that. Yeah, we, we do utilize quite a bit of marketing. Um, you know, we have TV commercials that kind of go throughout. Um, those have been running well before I ever got there. So 15, 20 years um, and patients will still will ask me, how do you hear about us? And they'll say, I saw your commercial 10 years ago. It spoke to me. I finally called, <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. uh, it's just one of those things. It's easier, even though that's kind of more of an outdated media source, I feel like it reaches out to some people that need to hear that or see that, or, you know, um, and just from seeing the facility in general. So they're like, Oh, wow, that it's not a sterile dental office. That looks like somewhere I could go, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that is our mission, you know, is to treat patients like that. We're all very specialized and have a passion for it, but, you know, we have tried to change our marketing a little bit in the fact that it's well, anyone is welcome. You know, you don't have to be afraid of the dentist to come there. Absolutely not. You just, if you want comfortable care and a good dentist and a beautiful scenery come there, you know, it's still a family practice. Um, so we have kind of tried to rebrand a little bit in that standpoint, um, just because, you know, we can't offer that for our community as well. But, um, but traditionally that's kind of the patient base that's attracted to that practice. Yeah. Can you so, go, sorry, Jessica, I, no. I don't want to move, like move on too far away from this idea of the emotional exam before mm-hmm. you like, and we might, we might have, you might have that in your questions later, but I, the idea I, this is the first I've heard of doing this in dentistry and I have a master's in communication. So like, yeah. look, talk to me a little bit about what that looks like, um, a little bit more in depth, because I love that idea. Cause to my experience in dentistry is that it it's way more mentally exhausting than physically exhausting oftentimes because you're trying to overcome these uh, barriers that patients already have with the dentist. Mm-hmm. So I love this idea of doing it. So it happens on the phone. Is that what you said? Yeah. So um, the way that it's structured and happens most of the time is that, so we have like a new patient call sheet, which, you know, standard in some practices, but we have specialized questions on those. Um, so, you know, the person that first talks to them is usually the person that's going to greet them when they come in the office so that they feel comfortable. So they can say, Oh, you know, Jessica, I'm the one that talked to you on the phone. Like, I'm so glad I've 
you know, shared your concerns with, you know, the doctor or whatever the case may be. So it just feels very like connected and personalized for them. But a lot of the questions, I mean, obviously we ask like insurance and things like that. That's not the focus of our phone calls. That's later down on the list. It's more just, you know, how'd you hear about us? You know, we're excited to have you. Um, kind of just trying to build that rapport initially. Um, we also do a lot of disc profiling for patients. So that's one of the first things um, the girls, you know, have on that patient, you know, form that they fill out for new patients. So we want to know what their disc profile is. So that helps us and should gear their phone call for that um, you know, front office staff member, but also for us as the providers and the clinical team as far as treating the patient. So that's part of that emotional exam too, just kind of seeing, okay, where do they lie on that? What type of, you know, communication style do we practice with them? Um, we also ask them if they, how their past dental experiences have been. So that's usually a great opening question. Well, they'll say, oh yeah, I've been great. Or they'll be like, I've never been asked that before, or they'll say, you know what, it was terrible, you know, and then they'll, they'll tell us certain things that we need to know. So, you know, people that, you know, maybe they felt rushed at their other practice or, you know, they have a hard time getting numb or they're looking for sedation or they, you know, whatever the case is, they'll start kind of telling you things. The more that they tell us the more that helps us be able to treat them. And so we kind of gather all this information before they ever walk in the door. Um, and it also helps us to, you know, some patients, we call them flight risks. <laughs> so, you know, it, they make the appointment, they actually picked up the phone. We try to, um, you know, congratulate them for that and to be like, you know, we're, we're excited you called, we're, we're proud of that. I know that was a tough thing, but um, you know, we can kind of tell the ones that maybe might not show up because they're afraid or they get hesitant. Mm -hmm. So we can kind of in that closing statement and that phone call with them being like, you know what, you know, I'm going to call and check on you, you know, before your appointment and confirm. And if you still have any questions, you know, let us know, we really just want you to come and, and to see us, you know? And so it just helps those girls be able to complete that phone call. So when the patient gets off, they're like, I was heard, you know, yeah. not everyone wants that type of you know, first impression call. Some people just want to get in and out and make that phone call, but we also cater to that too. Um, but yeah, it definitely starts with the front office. And then in morning huddle, we go over those uh, new patient forms. And so I'm preheated, the assistant seeing them, hygienists are preheated. So we know a lot about them before we ever uh, see the patient. So it really just kind of helps us, um, like I said, just be able to treat them. Mm. That's really awesome. Thank you for going in more in depth than that. I think that will be really helpful for a lot of people to hear and kind of understand the, the idea of that. Um, I, the other question I had before we move on is that, um, like I said, that like the, I, so I worked at the VA hospital for a long time and I, and my practice that I work in is very anxiety driven, like anxiety based too. And so, um, I'm interested to know, like, what pushed you to be in a practice that supports patients this way? Like, why have you chosen? Because this is, it's, it's really mentally demanding. Like when you get home, it's, it's really hard to be on and be thinking about somebody else's emotions the entire time. Um, mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I really didn't know what I was getting into. Um, <laughs> really honest, like, wow, this is a beautiful office. Um, 
my lead assistant and hygienist had actually gotten jobs there. We were working for another office. And so they had gone there and so they recruited me and I was like, all right, this is awesome. So, um, but what a lot of people didn't know at the time, it actually applied to um, pediatric residencies. So I was planning on going back to school to be a pediatric dentist. Mm. Uh, and like Jessica mentioned earlier, I'm like five foot two and pretty petite, very soft-spoken. So I felt like a lot of patients and I was young when I graduated, I was like 25. So I was like, feel like people didn't really take me seriously. Yeah. And I was like, but kids, you know, I just had this way with them. They felt comfortable. And I was like, and i saw all these like adults that were so scared of the dentist. And I was like, man, I just want to start when they're little and help them not grow up like that. Just start those positive experiences. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And then I got to this office and I was like, okay, I think this is where I'm supposed to be. So I didn't know that's what I wanted to do, but, and it's not like treating children and that sounds bad, but you really are there stunted and they're stopped in that place of that, whatever happened to them at that time. And so you really are rehabilitating them and you're starting from that childhood experience. So that's part of the emotional exam too. We kind of have them walk through that, but only once they only share it with one staff member. We don't make them keep reliving it, but they walk through that with us. I had a guy last week that told me that he's 55 years old and he shared with us that his dentist he has a bad gag reflex. A lot of patients do, you know, but he said that his dentist <laughs> said that if he threw up on him, he'd make him lick it off the floor. And oh, he remembered that when he was little and you know, who knows what the dentist really said. Maybe he didn't say right. that, I, you know, he, kids remember, but that stuck with him all that time. And he had been to the dentist in like 25 years. Cause he was embarrassed of his gag reflex. <laughs> and so I'm like, appreciate you sharing that with me, but that helps us like that just gives me a wealth of knowledge to make him feel comfortable and potentially a lifetime patient because he knows that, you know, he shared that with us. He opened that up, bonded over that. So um, that's where those emotional, those questions can get you sometimes. Um, But it's just crazy. The things you hear that people are holding on to. But that being said, I just found my passion and my place in dentistry um, because I, I mean, you know, it ain't, I'm different than that older dentist that, you know, said that to that guy, you know, so it's just a, a change for patients and listening to them. Cause that's really all they need at the end of the day. And then that gets them through those, you know, next appointments. But so I pulled my application from Pete's and said that, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. So I've been here at this office six years now, but, um, definitely, definitely will be my life calling in dentistry is, is helping people kind of overcome that, that anxiety that they have. Yeah. I will say like working with you, I mean, I ha- I got the chills of you telling me sh- your story um, and I've heard it before, but it's, yeah. it's just so fitting for you because of your nature and like, not just, you know, your, what you look like, but just how you are able to connect with people and make them really feel heard um, in those scenarios. And so it, that's really important. Um, I think that's, kind of why you're really good at what you do. Yeah. And we, you have, to, you know, dentistry, it is, they don't tell you that too. When you go to school, they're like, you know, people hate the dentist and you don't really know that I didn't hate the dentist. <laughs> and then you get into it and, you know, people don't like the dentist and it's a hard skill and craft that we have to perform. Um, but you know, as I say, I'm doing that every day on top of meeting their emotional needs. So, you know, it's hard enough to do the dentistry well, 
sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's even harder sometimes to, to do all of that at one time, wear all those hats. And so most of the time I'm more, and which is in pediatric, you know, it's more management of the patient than the teeth. Right. And so I'm managing the patient's emotional and sometimes physical needs the entire time while I'm trying to do my craft. And so um, it's challenging, but it's also very, very, very rewarding. Um, and sometimes we don't get that as dental professionals. We don't get the reward. You know, mm-hmm. people are just mad because they have to pay for something or we're costing them money or yeah. they have discomfort. They, you know, didn't have before what, you know, whatever the case is. And so, you know, I wasn't getting that reward and, and even though it's harder, what I'm doing now, it, I feel like I'm making a difference for people. And mm-hmm. so, um, that's what kind of keeps you going. Yeah. One of the things I want to kind of bring back on, you you shared a story about something that happened in the last week. How were you able to communicate with that patient their, their you know, obviously treatment needs, but then have them know uh, that you're there on their side and you're not going to have them, you know, lick something off the ground that's been their biggest fear and why they haven't come through that door for 20 years. Like, what did you do and what did you say and what did your clinical team do? So, um, I like from the initial phone call, I already knew this patient, their disc profile, um, obviously kind of a more of agreeable S personality type and, um, you know, quiet, but we got them to start kind of opening up with those leading questions. So that kind of helped. Um, but just a lot of listening, but with, you know, we mentioned earlier, our team and then myself have done a lot of dental boot camp training. Um, so that helps us with communication. I think that's kind of our biggest secret to our success with patients is um, not treating every patient the same. So with him, you know, I've been trained in that circumstance, not only just to listen and be empathetic, but, you know, it's different statements that you acknowledge back. So, you know, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I know that was probably hard for you to say, like, I want you to know this is a comfortable place, you know, and so that will never happen to you. And so, and then going forward, we know, you know, and, and just appraise him when he got through x-rays or tell him the options that we have. We actually ended up sedating that patient. We do a lot of sedation in our office and, you know, he didn't know that was an option for him with his gag reflex to have comfortable dentistry. So it's, um, I guess for me, having that, that communication training has really helped me, um, connect with the patients, you know, from what they need to hear. And so I think that's kind of what I always do when someone shares something with me, I acknowledge it. Uh, tell them I appreciate it. I'm sorry that that's happened to them. And then kind of give them, you know, words of affirmation and then, you know, start moving on to a solution and then ask them if that sounds good to them. Um, so that's kind of how our flow goes and, and all the staff are, are trained that way as well. So um, we talk about like tribal language. Um, so we, we all kind of say the same things and respond the same way in our different ways, because we're all different. Right. And so, um, but at the same time, you know, they try to mirror me and we all mirror each other as uh, being compassionate for patients and kind of how we handle those situations. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just thinking like, you know, in those cases, sometimes they don't say yes, because it's like a lot to take in and, um, you know, digest what they haven't come to for 20 years and then what that cost could be. How does your team, um, you know, reach out to them saying that, you know, hey, uh, we, we're still looking, we still care about you and we're looking for the best for you. And you made that initial call. Like what, what does that look like? So kind of off what you're saying, usually our, our case acceptance or patients accepting is same day. Um, even if it has been 20 years, 
the reason I feel like that is, is because they finally, after 20 years have made it in there, right? They made that, mm-hmm. phone they're ready to say yes. They're ready to put this behind them, to move forward. You have to make it easy for them. That's your job. That's not their job. They're there to see what you think they need. That whole, you know, the whole appointment is guided around helping them get the care that we know that they need by giving them the appointment that they want. So not every, and we know that though, some patients, if you've got that real direct patient, they're like, all right, let's get this going. When can I get scheduled? Those are all triggering points. Okay. Like we're going to, we're going to get this done for them today. Right. We're going to have a a plan set in place an appointment scheduled. Um, Some people, you know, you can tell if they're trying to ease into it or they need to talk to a family member, you know, whatever that is for the most part, before they ever leave the clinical operatory, they've said yes, in some form or fashion, they're a commitment to move forward. Um, so we really are good about that because patient, I mean, it is, it's just true. They've waited this long and then they finally come in, they're ready, they're ready to, to do it, you know? And so you just have to help them do that. Um, and, you know, but there are the occasionals that obviously, you know, there's some roadblock for them. We try to still discuss that with them, try to cover that in the back office, finding out, you know, if they're like, well, I need to talk to my wife or, or they start asking money, then, okay, then that's something that, you know, is money important to you. Let's talk about that. You know, what, what is your budget looking like? And so that helps us be able to gear again, the treatment, giving them the treatment that we know that they need, maybe just doing a little differently, you know, depending on budget or time or whatever that is, but we have those discussions with people. So usually we can kind of iron that out with them. Um, a lot of times I feel like when, you know, from what I've learned or other offices, when people leave there and they don't schedule, there's a, there's something that we didn't uncover while they were there. We missed something, you know, um, and it could be just the patient wasn't ready at that time, you know, that they did need to digest it, but there's usually something we missed. Um, because when it's been that long and they call, they're usually ready, you know? Um, but as far as if they don't, you know, we never pressure anybody ever, ever, ever. And I can tell the ones sometimes we'll get the best example of this to me is a family member. So we see, say we see the wife and the husband finally comes in. Never do we ever pressure anybody to accept treatment. A lot of times those patients, I feel like they already have that trust from the other spouse. So a lot of times it takes that one going home to the other one and then they come back and then they're like, okay, you know, we're going to do this. But, um, usually we do like, um, which I'm kind of skipping ahead, but the treatment plan coordinator, usually she'll ask if they don't schedule in the chair for whatever reason or, you know, in their office, she usually, um, asks their permission to call them, you know, usually three days be like, you know, some type of commitment for they've either another follow-up consult appointment with a loved one that can help them make decisions, Um, or it will be a fault. You know, do I have your permission to call you, you know, within three days and kind of touch base with you about all this? I know it's a lot we've gone over today. There's a lot to think about. And so they're usually like, yes. And so then, you know, some form of commitment because they need that too, right? They don't want to feel like they wasted two hours, you know? So that's kind of uh, in a nutshell, usually we get them to say yes. If not, that's the follow-up to some type of commitment. I like that you brought it up. Uh, you basically asked permission statements throughout your your visit with this patient, even from the beginning to the the chair. And then if they don't accept treatment um, that same day that you're asking in the treatment plan. So you're always asking them like they're in the driver's seat, um, making them feel in control. 
yeah, they, they, and they should be, it's their health, their mouth, you know, we're just there to provide care for them. It's their decision on what they want to do, you know, and they're involved in that. So it's not like here, this is all you can do. No, let's talk about it, you know? So yeah, we're very big on permission statements. And I think patients appreciate that it's different from what they're used to. Um, so it's worked well for us. Um, can I ask you, so in these deep dive episodes that I was referring to earlier on the, the show, um, one thing that we've found that we didn't set out to find, but a lot of the practices that we're bringing on that are exceptional in a lot of different ways, the metrics are different for everyone, but there's one really common thread and it's their new patient exam is one and a half to two hours, um, which is an interesting concept and kind of flies in the face of a lot of, a lot of other people are suggesting to do as far as production. Um, and so well, how, how long is, how long are your exams? I'm just, I'm just wondering, like to be able to fully understand what someone is going up against. And it sounds like what you're trying to achieve is probably pretty time consuming maybe, but it is, there's a lot of controversy with that, um, with different management teams I've had. And then even, you know, staff members we've brought on, cause it is, can be a different concept. Um, but we do comprehensive care, um, because of the, you know, sometimes the high fear factor of our patients, we always add on a little bit of time, but in hygiene, it, we, it's two hours for sure. Um, those patients, and then in doctor chair, it's an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to kind of still be two hours in doctor chair, but we're so busy. We kind of tried to you cut off some of that. Mm-hmm. A little bit of that time was more of a meet and greet in the front. Um, we had more of a concierge, um, lady that was up there and they would get a hand wax and kind of go over their paperwork. And so there was a lot of that at the beginning. We don't have that as much anymore. Again, just time. Um, but I feel like we can still get that achieved if, if they do have, you know, a lot of concerns, again, pre-screening on the phone, you know, mm-hmm. if that phone call goes a long time, might be a two hour appointment, you know, yeah. um, so we kind of still cater it per patient. Um, but, you know, I feel like that, and I always say, you know, I don't know, you, it just depends what you want to do. Like, do you want to maximize you know, the treatment with that patient and have the time to talk to them about everything, you know, mm-hmm. um, or are you just trying to like, is it quality over quantity, you know, or it, it just have to, it just depends how you want to provide care to patients. Um, for me, you know, I'd rather be able to spend that time. And I feel like that if you do like look at the success in numbers, usually we're doing more, more patient because you have that time to talk about what they're wanting if you're rushing through an appointment, they may not be able to tell you, Hey, I've always wanted a new smile. Like, yeah, you know, like you don't have the time for that. So you'd be amazed if you just give the patients that, that extra time, what can come from that. Um, yeah. also gives us time to do interoral pictures and really, you know, all the x-rays that we need. And, you know, so we, we a lot for that for sure. And it's, like, again, I'm very passionate about that. Um, I think that works well for us, but I know it can be hard and to do that in fast paced practices. And we've been kind of dealing with those growing pains as well, but we're still not going to let that hinder our, our care. Mm, yeah. I love that idea. Especially because it, it obviously shows in your case acceptance, like you, the fact that that it doesn't very, it doesn't often happen that they leave without saying yes, says a lot about the amount of time and trust that they have, because in, 
at dental intelligence, we call it like overcoming objections, <laughs> but really like all you, like they, there's no reason to not do the work they're there and you've trusted them, especially with these high anxiety patients. Once you get their trust, they will never leave you, even if you want them to like, and they'll tell all their friends about you and they will fly from Hawaii to see you if they've moved. Like, so, um, yeah, it's obviously working. So, so good. So good. Well, I, I think I'm done drilling her with questions because I feel like she brought up um, quite a few, you know, points here just to kind of recap as like, you know, the you know, initial communication that with that emotional exam that you guys are doing at the beginning and then what you're doing within the patient's appointment, um, then um, also closing a statement with a commitment from the patient. Um, but I think you also put in a few things throughout our conversation, like you're doing other than just verbally communicating with the patient. You're talking about intraoral um, photos. Those aren't for us um, as a clinical team. They're for the patient. Um, so I think that's a way of communicating too visually with them. Um, that's definitely helped in your case acceptance with your patients and how they're moving forward with treatment same day because they can see it and believe it and trust you guys. Yeah, and that's another thing. Again, we don't just like, I don't know, people will say just put that picture of that broken tooth like right in front of their face. <laughs> I don't usually do that. We ask, again, permission. Do you, we have these pictures. Would you like to see them? Would you like to see what's going on in your mouth? Mm. Some people are like, oh my gosh, don't show me, <laughs> you know, but if it is that patient that you can tell is going to maybe be questioning, you know, what you're saying, or is really not on board, be like, Hey, Lee, is it okay if I, I go ahead and pull these pictures up that, that you all spent time taking and let's go over them together. And so then that's when you get that, you know, and that, that seeing is believing. So it's, mm -hmm. it's always never just like structured. Like we do this, we do that. Like, yeah, we have, we do that to gain all of our, like, you know, clinical information we need for that appointment, but how that appointment guides with the patient, let the patient guide you, you know, and that doesn't come overnight. Like we've I've practiced this for a long time. And I feel like, um, it, again, it's just picking up on cues from the patient, you know, verbal cues also, you know, they'll, they'll throw off nonverbal cues, you know, so it's just like, okay, are they looking away? You know, so that's the thing, you know, probably my best tip is just to really help. It's just communication and learning how to communicate with people and, um, knowing that everything's connected. We talk about that. The mouth's connected to the whole body. We tell patients that all the time, the importance of it, mm -hmm. the mind's connected too. So a lot of times it's more mental than anything. Yeah. So just being able to connect you know, especially with dental treatment, like patients, they do, they want to be your patient for life. Right. You know, mm -hmm. it's hard for them to change. So make that connection early on and then makes your life a whole lot easier. And you don't have to do that every time. It's just, you know, from the start and it's, it's a relationship, make sure it's a good fit. You know, it may not be <laughs> that you might not yeah. be ever. Um, yeah. so, but, um, yeah, I, I, like I said, it just makes it fun. makes dentistry fun. It makes it really exciting when you do get that. Yes. From patients, um, just because you know that you did your job right and then that they're getting what they need. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask the last question, but I just first want to say like how lucky you that your, that your patients are to have you as a, as a provider. I, Thank you. um, man, my brother is not going to work forever. And I think I, all I need a new dentist. I might have to, I might have to fly to see you from Utah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but, but really, they really are so lucky and such great advice. Communication is such a big deal in dentistry. We do it all day long, every day. 
with our team members and our staff and, and our patients and, 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 and it's not something that is, comes natural to a lot of people. You have to learn it. Um, and so, right. Like take advice from, from Dr. Hare and take advice from other people who are great at, are great at communicating and take some lessons. If you are having struggles with the case acceptance, because it's not, it doesn't come natural for a lot of people, which it seems like it does to you, but <laughs> but you've learned a lot. So, um, the, the last question we asked for every single, um, one of our guests is something that is near and dear to us at dental intelligence. It's because growth is means something different to everyone, but, um, it's kind of what we do here. So what does growth in dentistry mean to you? Um, for me, and it's still on the same string of what we've been talking, talking about, I mean, obviously digitally like dentistry is changing and there's so much technology coming out and it's so exciting. For me, it's still just, just changing that perception, you know, of dental that they're just trying to get your money or that, you know, it's painful or, you know, whatever that is like, it's like, no, like dentistry can be comfortable. It can be that, you know, holistic comprehensive care that we need. And so it's just changing that perception of our profession, you know, um, and bringing that trust back to patients that they've lost. Um, and then, you know, it does matter how they feel during their appointment, you know? So it's just, and I, I think we have changed as a community. I think, you know, obviously me being biased with more females in the profession, it's helped. Mm-hmm. But I think just the more knowledge we've had, we've, we've just changed a lot of our ways and technology's helped us do that. Things are more comfortable. Right. And so there's more, um, more planned out. It's more predictable. Um, so I, that's where I see dentistry going, where it can be placed that, you know, you don't hear, it's not like horror stories or like, you know, those things mm-hmm. that can be like a, a normal medical place to come. Um, so I'm hoping that the community keeps doing that for patients and that hopefully they can see that, that we do care for them and that, um, you know, we continue to offer the best care possible and keep learning. Yeah. So good. Jessica, this is you good egg, man. You brought on a good egg. I, I could, and we went over on time and I could talk for another hour, but we won't do that. But this kind of stuff just jazzes me right up. So (laughs) this has been a blast. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, if if people want to get a hold of you, um, if you're willing to, to let them get a hold of you to ask questions, if they, if they might would, um, where can they do that? Um, I do have a personal email if you want to reach out that way. Um, uh, cause I don't own the office that I'm at. So, um, you know, again, I'm passionate about what I do. So if anybody does want, you know, some tips or at least direction on some training to get, mm-hmm. uh, I can go ahead and give that if, yeah. if, yeah, if you're willing, yeah, that'd be great. Um, it's M and then H O R D one zero at gmail.com. So email is Tease and Jess I've had for a long time, <laughs> but yeah. uh, mine, I, mine is, yeah, mine is from the nineties. Yeah. My best friend made it in my basement and, hey, well. <laughs> and, and, um, and had I known this is hotmail, it was hotmail man. And had mm-hmm. I known that it was going to follow me for the rest of my life, I would have changed it to something else. So I feel you, but that's not a bad one. Mine's way more embarrassing, which I will not be willing to share on. <laughs> I'm just my maiden name, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, everything's on that. So it's usually the best way. Um, Sounds good. Thank you so much yeah, for being perfect. willing to share that. Um, 
I'm sure, especially like additional training tips um, and where to, where to find that would be really helpful for people. So well, thanks so much. This has been growth and dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast. Thank you to our marketing department. And thank you, Jessica, for joining me today. I'm Katie Polson. Keep growing.